Hey everyone and welcome to episode 26 of the Convergence podcast. I'm your host Siddharth Valuri and this week I have set designer and 3D concept designer Benjamin Donnelly on the podcast who has worked on movies such as Thor, Aquaman, Godzilla just to name a few. It was a really fun and insightful conversation learning about his process and experiences in the film industry, how teams and jobs function while working on various shows as well as his interactions with the production designers on the project. Benjamin also shared his experiences on set and the things he learned while interacting with other teams on the project. We also spoke about his teaching experiences and how he's always in search for the most realistic quality in the designs that he's creating. The film industry is something that fascinates me a lot, so it's always great to learn more about the industry through conversations like these. So I hope you all get a lot of value from this conversation. And with that said, let's go. glad to have you and it's a bit late for you so but you said that you keep working quite late as well so yeah 10 p.m is uh it's not too late for me <laughs> it's a bad habit but um but yeah no I, again thank you so much for uh inviting me on and you know i listen to so many podcasts and like i find them fuel for, for creative so it was super cool when you reached out and um really excited and interesting to to talk to you so yeah let's get into it awesome so you were just mentioning that there are some similarities in our background and how we got to where we are right now so maybe let's just dive into that yeah um i guess i can just go back to the start so well, firstly hi everyone my name is ben um i'm a 3d artist and set designer um I, i guess i do a lot of things so it's hard to sometimes like label exactly what mm-hmm. i do but um but yeah i'm uh, 26 years old and i currently work in in the film industry so on productions uh designing sets and props for manufacture um do a little bit of concept design but i also do a lot of the 3d sort of manufacturing work as well so and yeah we were just talking a little bit about like architecture and our backgrounds and i pretty much like left high school wanting to be an architect mm. and i you know i had no idea that the film industry in australia was um as prolific as it is like i didn't think that, that was a job i could do here so yeah architecture was my like end goal i applied for that out of high school and i wasn't accepted so i was like well what do i do and uh you know here in australia we put down our preferences for universities and what sort of subjects we want to study mm-hmm. and i put industrial design down as my third subject and i had no idea what it meant i was like industrial like building warehouses like what is this and day 2 where like drawing lightsabers and cars and i'm like this is exactly what i want to do <laughs> and i had like no idea that that's what it was called so um yeah it was like it's crazy cuz you know in high school i had a lot of friends who were I went to a really small school so I had like 20 people in my grade and like no one was interested in the same st- stuff that I was and then, and going into uni and it's like all these amazing creative people all super passionate about what they do and and yeah I pretty much went straight into industrial design fell in love with it uh and then ended up working in architecture anyway so I a lot of my fundamental skills that I use now came from working in architecture mm-hmm. um which was again it's like you go out of high school and you're like hmm I didn't get the course I wanted to do I can't study it but you make it to uni and you do okay in the first year and you can study whatever you want you know from there it was really uh kind of uplifting and inspiring to find out you can design your own path um through what you want to study so yeah I I've worked in uh in architecture for quite a few years before making it into the film industry but uh 
you know, it's, it's a, a really cool place to learn a lot of really good skills. So I did, you know, everything from 3D modeling to laser cutting and model making uh, to rendering and all sorts of really cool stuff while I was at uni. So I was working mm -hmm. in industry early. Um, and how about yourself? Like you came from architecture as well? Yeah, yeah. I studied architecture as well for five years. And then yeah. right after that, I there. switched to concept. <laughs> yeah, so I guess that, yeah. that really must be helping you quite a bit with the set design side of things that you do currently. Yeah, I mean, like studying uh, industrial design, everything's practical and you're really considering like human um, ergonomics and, and interfaces and details that are, you know, all to do with things functioning and being manufacturable, which mm -hmm. is something I'm really passionate about. And I hope that people see in my work that, you know, everything looks realistic or like possible. I, I always find that like sci-fi art and future visions, if they look believable, they're way more impactful. So yeah, that background in industrial design and architecture really helps because I, I did end up doing a dual degree for that for a little while there. So uh, I also went to uni for five years. Um, mm -hmm. It was a long, <laughs> long process. But um, but yeah, it was it was an incredible place, really, you know, like just understanding all of these uh, tools and the potential that we have as artists to influence the world and make a, a positive impact. It was like, yes, I was obsessed with it, you know, and mm -hmm. as we mentioned, like working weekends and just like, it didn't feel like work to me. Like uni was just an incredible place, meeting people from industry who'd worked for, you know, like huge car companies like Ford and, and design stuff for Xbox. And it was just like this whole new world that, I, I don't know if you have something similar, but like growing up in Australia, you're like, oh, like nothing is cool here. It's all over in the States or, you know, like it's somewhere else where the cool stuff happens. And it's a weird mentality because like awesome stuff happens here, you know, like, uh, do you feel that way as well? Like, you know, we're so influenced by other parts of the world. Like definitely. I mean, you have a point there in terms of like the popular culture that's dominating the world right now definitely comes from the States. So there is that perception. And to be completely honest, I didn't even know that there was such a big thriving film industry in Australia until you you know I, look honestly neither did i and it still surprises me and inspires me because like I'll, I'll get into sort of how i started in film but mm -hmm. like uh it was it came out of nowhere you know like studying industrial design and like having this thing in the back of your mind you know like i would love to do concept design like at uni i'd go and see like you know all the sci-fi films with my friends and just be like so inspired by everything that was coming out constantly and it's like one of those goals you like put aside is like, I'd love to, but it's like, it's not possible, you know, like yeah. I'm going to have to work for years and years and years. And like, yeah, um, well, pretty much I can, I can go into what happened. So I studied, yeah, industrial design for four years. And then I was working in an architecture firm. Mm, um, okay. And that place was uh, incredible. Like I, I learned a bunch was around people that were really inspiring and you know, I was just on Facebook one day and someone was like, oh, Screen Queensland are looking for a 3D artist. So I pretty much like responded to that Facebook post and it was an email you needed to send a CV to. So I sent my like university work and some of the concept stuff I was doing on the side through. And like the next day I got a phone call saying, you know, we think you're perfect for this position. We'd love you to, to come in. And they wow. didn't mention what the film was or what it was. But at the end of that phone call, they're like, yeah, you're going to meet like Ra Vincent and Dan Henna. And I don't know if you know who, who they are, but they're no, I'm um, not the production designers and, and art directors from like The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings and King Kong. So I like, I like knew those names. I was like, whoa. So, you know, like a couple of days later from working in architecture, I like walked into the studio, uh, Village Rojo Studios at the Gold Coast and like met the designer of Lord of the Rings and, you know, and like 
was offered a job at Marvel and like, whoa, <laughs> completely out of nowhere. I didn't even know there was a studio here and I live an hour from it. Mm-hmm. Didn't know there was uh, a Marvel movie being made in Australia. You know, like, again, my brain was like, that's all happening overseas. So it was like this huge shock. And I was still studying at the time. So I applied like while I was finishing my degree and ended up working on Thor Ragnarok for like nine months whilst trying to finish my architecture degree (laughs) and like not sleeping a lot, but like meeting an incredible amount of of artists and just having like the coolest time ever. Um, Yeah, it was really, really fascinating because again, like I had no idea that that was a job opportunity and yet that it would come so soon, especially out of uni. Like I think I was like 20, 21. So uh, yeah, (laughs) it's kind of crazy. I guess some of those like just happenstance luck things you just can't control i mean getting it yeah like everyone says you know it's a combination of being like prepared and also a little bit lucky you know like i definitely put the work in at uni and i you know every subject i did i was trying to learn a new tool and make sure that i was you know really pushing myself because like i always find and i i teach at university i see students all the time like they look across the classroom and they're like yeah I'm, i'm pretty good but you know i was looking online on like the hands and art station and stuff and like seeing everyone across the world and being like, oh, I need to work so much harder, you know, <laughs> like <laughs> set that bar really high. And like, yeah, it's, it's, it was a really, really uh, a challenging time, but a, an, an awesome time to get there. And like, yeah, I'm just, again, super grateful to, to be working in the film industry. It's, it's, it's amazing. Um, From a mental yeah. thought process wise, like how did you get that kind of, let's say seriousness towards the work that you're doing that early? Because at that time, there is the tendency to do a little bit of work and then just go party or have fun or whatever. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I don't know, like I was brought up in a pretty creative household. Like uh, my dad's like an owner builder. So like, my house was like under construction as I was growing up. Like, you know, my granddad would build like model boats and that was like his thing. His job was like to make miniature boats. Nice. And like, I was like, as a kid, that's so cool. And my sort of worldview was like, oh, anything's possible. Like if you like something and you're good enough at it, you just do it. Mm-hmm. And Look, I, I can't really explain it to you, but I just had this like laser vision of, of focus and like dedication to to whatever task I was given in a way. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I just loved it. I thought it was so much fun, you know, like I, I think university really taught me that um, we do have this impact on people and we can make a, a difference. And like, you know, you need to do your best at everything you do because it, it matters, you know, um, especially if it's like a product, a medical product or something, you know, you want to make sure that you can impact people's lives in a good way. Um, obviously working in film is slightly different. It's not like, you know, life and death, but uh, I think it's important to be really passionate about the work you do. And, you know, like it, it can only end in good things, you know, like people can, everyone benefits, I guess. So yeah, definitely. yeah I, I don't know. And, and I, yeah, I always just, you put the work and you always get something good out of it, you know, sort of how I've yeah so, the, pe- so the, the people that you were studying with back then did any of them also end up in the film industry along with you that yeah there's actually been a few and like uh, as I mentioned I, I do teach um, at the university I studied at still so I try and keep that industry and sort of student loop quite close so mm-hmm. I can you know talk to people who are interested in film and explain you know my path to get there and maybe how they can do the same if they want to but yeah there's um at least four people from my university who, who now work in film in like prop departments and all sorts of different areas so it's uh yeah it's it's actually a really cool thing in like i think uh you know recently with the pandemic and everything like a lot of productions have been coming here because we are still open and we're mm-hmm. extremely lucky in australia so 
Uh, I think the fact that that's been happening, there's been a lot more job like openings and yeah, a lot of people have been getting into the industry. So, and, and I just love meeting students that are, are interested in this stuff and sort of guiding them there or just giving them advice, you know, on how to begin doing that. So, um, yeah, it's, it's kind of awesome, really. Yeah, it's definitely fun talking to students who are quite passionate because they have this fresh Yeah, they've got that like naive, yeah, like <laughs> they don't quite know how like hard, hard, hard things are yet. So they're still really <laughs> like positive and yeah, it's, it's really cool. Like um, it's really rewarding teaching. I don't know. Do you do any teaching or? I did do a couple of workshops, but not in any particular university, so to speak. Okay, yeah. Specific to concept art. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that would yeah be a totally different game. Again, like in Brisbane, like concept art isn't a job. I mean, obviously it is. There are people who do it, but it's still just like this totally, oh, isn't that done overseas? Or, you know, like it's this mm -hmm. this whole thing. So just meeting students and being like, oh, yeah, I know I've, I've worked in film. You know, they just light up and they get super excited about it. So being able to pass that on to people, I think, is, is really cool. That's amazing. But, so yeah. earlier during the conversation, you were mentioning like a, let's say, realistic sensibility towards science fiction design. Um, how yes. did you kind of come to that? Because a lot of the generic sci-fi that we see, it's just like the cliche chamfer <laughs> shapes and stuff. Chamfers, like yeah. You know, just chamfer it. It's <laughs> fine. I mean, yeah, like it's it's interesting. It's uh, you know, having worked on a film project, like it changes your perspective of like just how difficult something like this is. It's this huge monster, and there are like literally like on Aquaman, there was like two and a half thousand people working on that film in mm -hmm. construction and all the departments. So it's like you know it's a year and a half of your life going into this thing and then people see it and they're like oh cool but like yeah that chamfer on that edge is terrible you know <laughs> like one out of ten like uh you know there's this time pressures and there's stuff that just happens on the day that you can't you know foresee and you can't like uh dodge I guess but but yeah I think you know I have this uh attention to detail that usually causes trouble because I'm like <laughs> everything needs to look realistic and as good as possible and mm -hmm. they're like great but we don't have that budget <laughs> <laughs> so I sort of do this thing where I like you know get a task model it up as quick as I can and make it as good as I can and then they like pull it off me before I go too far because they know like I'll just keep on detailing and they're like you're never gonna see that on film you know that's that's the other part of it is like you need to get used to things being destroyed and not used and not on camera you know like mm -hmm. you put three months of of energy into a set and then it gets cut and that happens all the time so it's painful the first time but once it happens a few times it sort of changes your perspective on things and um yeah i think you know like seeing something that you've designed up on on a screen is just a really crazy surreal experience um and it also teaches you that in the moment all of the stress and anxiety you had about that task probably didn't matter and you know <laughs> I mean specifically like with the stuff that I was doing which is like set design and props and things you know they're there to complement the story and help propel things forward so if they're doing that to, to the best of their ability that's all that matters you know mm, there's always true. little things that are lost in the details and stuff so yeah but um yeah I don't know I, I just think that uh you're right a lot of the time you do see generic sci-fi and I think I don't know, for me, the, the more realistic things are just the more impactful and sort of the more that it says the story you're telling is important or, or that it's important, the world stays real to you and to the viewer. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's the most crucial thing to me, really. So, and, you know, we can only do what we can with the time we have. So, yeah. So in terms of the job that you actually do, so 
there's like a typical hard surface designer so to speak and yeah. what you do which is set design specifically how different are yeah. the kind of jobs there i mean they they can be extremely similar like i think the the main difference is that you know uh, on the projects that i've worked for uh, mm-hmm. or worked on they're all need to be things that are real world that need to you know fit an actor or be manufactured and sometimes the timeline on making these things is like a couple of days you know sometimes it can be weeks but it's like you have so many real world factors that need to come into the design process that you know a lot of hard surface design stuff you see beautiful intricate details and stuff but you know maybe we just don't have time to make something like that mm-hmm. or it doesn't suit the world or it needs to be manufactured and you know also everything you see in film like any wall that looks like concrete or metal it's just plywood or foam <laughs> yeah. you know it's all like smoke and mirrors uh, we we 3d print like everything that we make and the props department's do an incredible job like casting and replicating things and like it's just wild seeing uh seeing set sometimes because it's like the camera will pan past it and then like they'll get the shot and then the set will like fall over and it's like okay <laughs> we got it you know like like not not really but um it can be quite interesting seeing some of the construction techniques and just how uh, a lot of things are just flats you know like they're just flat panel buildings that yeah. are meant to look like a real thing does that answer the answer the question sorry i actually don't even remember where we started but that's completely <laughs> fine um yeah like so hard surface versus what i do yeah i yeah, mean because yeah. i do a lot of a lot of props and um you know some of those props are real world things like on aquaman i designed a like a small design i modeled a you know a torpedo engine and that needed to be you know look really real mm-hmm. and i'd call that hard surface you know that had a lot of uh, really intricate details and stuff and that to me is pretty much one to one with being a hard surface designer yeah so, so and and uh, it is a passion of mine yeah do you get like any pre done concept art when you go into these projects or yeah, is it how ab- is it like? absolutely yeah so like working in australia um you know a lot of the projects the concept the sort of pre pre as it's called is done in like LA you know mm-hmm. so that's like the major story beats the script is pretty well developed and then they're bringing a lot of like concept images here and um you know we have a set amount of things we can build and we get concept art and stuff like that so okay. but it's not always fleshed out and it it's usually like broad stroke stuff so there's a lot of detail to add a lot of things that need to be resolved and and stuff that changes as the script develops you know so like for example aquaman because that had such a huge vfx aspect there were people on the film designing all of the atlantis world stuff the whole time so you know they sort of designed the stuff that was to be built and on screen and then half of that job was just building the vfx world you know so nice. it's yeah it's kind of interesting um but yeah just like you know it's completely uh i think once you see it on the big screen it really like puts into to context just like how many people put effort and love into these things you know um that's probably the, the major thing i've got out of working in film it's just like uh you know at the end of the day if the film didn't really go so well there's something to admire about it and and for me it's probably actually the people that you meet on projects you know like yeah. the artists that i've met every time have been so like lovely and and open with their information and they want to help you advance you know they're everyone's about sharing information and stuff like that so to me that's like the highlight of every project i've worked on I, is that something that you've experienced as well definitely i mean working in these large teams even for me in video games because i've worked only in the video game side of things with yeah. with rockstar right now so you can see how many people are involved in creating something and i guess that totally. that feeling gets highlighted even more in films because you're seeing sets being built in real life so that puts in yeah an additional element of tangibility almost you know 
Yeah, and it's like a it's a different team every time because you know mm -hmm. people will finish on a project and go overseas to work on the next one. So you're always meeting new people, and there's this real sense of like camaraderie where like it's this team of people you maybe didn't know at the start, but now you're all best friends essentially, mm -hmm. hopefully, and uh, you know you're all in this thing trying to create something unique and and new for the first time um, under time pressure and cost pressures and things, and like it's a it's an experience like no other. Like once you've sort of worked on it. And I think it would be similar in games, you know, like you've kind of been through the trenches with, with these people. Yeah. Um, and it's like always a positive experience, even if it's difficult or even if there are like late nights, you know, it's like, it was worth it. Cause we, you know, we don't do it for the money. We do it cause we love it. Right. <laughs> Is that right? I don't know. I think both are equally important. I think it's yeah. important <laughs> to keep in perspective, but definitely it starts with you wanting to do it and being part of projects. Like totally. This. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's an interesting point, you know, like the passion versus money side of things, but one shouldn't get swept up in either side of it. I feel like both. No. And, and that can happen a lot, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and I think with film in particular, like there are a lot of people who are, you know, very uh, interested and passionate about like about movies. So mm -hmm. there are people who want to get into the industry, who, you know, um, maybe don't have the right attitude initially. So like, yeah, you need to be kind of, I guess, easygoing and like, just, you know, nice to work with. Like there's, uh, I think no matter what you do, if you're, if you have this sort of skill set and the right attitude, I think you can, can do anything you set your mind to. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's always been like the main thing with, um, when I see people getting hired or when I, you know, apply for jobs and stuff, it's just like, are you a down to earth, down to earth person? Um, and that's sort of what, what goes the furthest, I think, you know? Yeah, yeah. that's quite true. So in terms of, a let's say a typical day, how many people are there in the set design, prop design department that you work with? Yeah, that's, that's a really good question. So like, um, so like Thor was my first experience and I, again, I'd never been on a film before. Mm -hmm. So sort of my, my experience was like, you know, day one going in the gate, um, you know, walking into the art department and seeing all this art on the walls and then sort of being told what the project was, was just like, oh my gosh. And, <laughs> you know, I'd say there was probably like at, at its peak, maybe like 22 people in the like production art department nice. on that film. Okay. Um, so I'd say, you know, yeah, most of those were set designers and then quite a few concept artists as well. So, and every time it's different, you know, like sometimes the art department and the set deck department are combined just for like a flow of information, like mm -hmm. on, on Godzilla, for example, um, you know, there, there was a department sort of connected to art where we could all share ideas and it was a lot easier to, to do stuff, but it was like packed, you know, there was like 30, 40 people there. Um, and then, yeah, like, I think the other really cool thing about working on, on these projects is you not only get to be at the studios and, you know, meeting production designers and other concept artists, but you get to walk around the, you know, the lot and see the props department as they develop and build these props. Um, and even you get to see some of the sets as they're uh, being filmed, which is also really crucial to, as I mentioned earlier, like understanding where to focus your energy on like these designs, you yeah. know? And again, there's just a the whole energy, like it, it is like, you do feel like a, a kid that's in a Lego store or something. You're like, this is such a cool place to just walk around. And you're like, in one soundstage, there's a spaceship, you know, and the next one, it's like this temple or something. It's just this crazy world, you know, and, and these things are like popping up and then being like swept away as the next one needs to get built, you know? So it's a, it's a, it's like a circus is the best way I can describe uh, the industry. <laughs> if that, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. That's an interesting yeah. <laughs> way to put it. Do you, uh, do you get to go around the set much where the filming is actually happening and interact with the cinematographers, assistant directors, etc.? 
Yeah, um, not not so much in terms of interaction with with those people, but um, I definitely um, you know go around and get to see builds as they progress, and mm -hmm. I think it's it's just really crucial to to not only just like meet the people who are executing your drawings and just understand um, their process, you know, from their perspective, yeah. so you can give them the information that they need, but but also just you know to see this thing come to life and catch any issues in terms of like you know how how things are moving because it is this sometimes we've got one chance to do it you know in a short amount of time it needs to be perfect um and like i i've been lucky a few times to have a photo pass at the studios for art department so i can go around and photograph sets as they develop and then you know the art department gets to sort of see the progress of these things and like that that's really cool and then if i am still on a project when when filming is happening um i definitely sneak into the sound stages and just stand in the back and like try and look through the monitor and see like, are they getting my thing in camera? No, they're not. Okay. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> you know, like, um, I don't know. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's super cool. Um, but uh, the project I'm on at the moment, I'm actually working remotely and I, I've never done that before. So mm. uh, I, I pretty much went into that project, not sure how it would go, to be honest. I was quite nervous. Um, and it's, it's been really interesting in terms of like opportunities opening up for remote work. Um, which again, I've, I've never worked on a film remotely and it's, it's gone really, really well. So I'm, I'm feeling really positive about, about that aspect. Um, I, do you work remotely? Like yeah, what's your situation I'm, at the moment? I've, yeah. I've been working remotely for like over a year at this point. So pretty yeah, much yeah, everyone just, just has used to, to it. Yeah. Adapting to it. And I guess it just mentally also prepares you to freelance at some point because you know how your day is going to totally. look like and stuff like that. Yeah. Freelancing is a really good topic. Cause um, the other thing about the film industry here is, you know, like sometimes the work can be quite inconsistent mm -hmm. um, just in terms of like productions coming or if, you know, if you stay on a production till the very end, the other one's already started and it's crewed up. So there's like no spots left. Um, you know, it's not like I've gone for like a year with no work, you know, between movies and that's just a normal Whoa. way of it happening and, here. I mean, then how did you like finance yourself during that one year time? Exactly. Yeah. So uh, as I mentioned, like I do really enjoy teaching. So lucky I always have that to, to go to. Um, but, you know, things just pop up. Like it's really interesting. You, It's a nerve wracking way to work where you're like, I have no idea what I'll be doing for work in a month, um, which is the situation I'm in right now, actually. <laughs> um, but in a way, you know, it's it keeps it interesting. There's always something new that's going to happen and it always works out, you know, like mm -hmm. if I'm not on a film, I'll be working on, on something else with a, you know, hopefully an interesting client or as I mentioned, teaching and, or even just working on like, you know, my own personal projects to skill up. Um, and that was something that I really uh, enjoyed doing actually when the pandemic sort of first happened here and like everything was initially closed. Um, I, I actually took a, like a blender course, you know, uh, mm -hmm. with, with uh, heavy poly. Yeah, of course. Yeah, he's an uh, incredible guy, and uh, it was it was interesting because like, uh, have you do you sketch up or did you ever use SketchUp? I used to use it quite a bit. I wanted to get to SketchUp yeah. eventually. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Just... Yeah. Because because like that's uh, that's like my thing. Like that was my like all I could do, and uh, it was it was I held onto that tool for way too long. I have to admit I haven't used it in like a year. Um, you know, Blender is like definitely uh, enabled me to do a lot more, and I'm like mm -hmm. super excited about it, but. But yeah, like skilling up um, in that time was just awesome for me, really. Um, it was a really like lucky moment. I, you know, I didn't have any work on and it was like, all right, I'm just going to focus on this, learn some new skills. Because I think the other benefit of like just falling into industry early is I've been able to see like how everything works and I know what skills I'm lacking. 
Uh, so I can always like say, hmm, okay, I'm gonna do a personal project that's gonna demonstrate this particular skill. So now my portfolio sort of covers that. If something comes, you know, I'm ready. Right. Uh, and I think that's a, a really important thing. And I, I tell students all the time, like it's really crucial to have work in your portfolio that you wanna get hired to do. Like it sounds obvious, but uh, you know, if you really wanna design spaceships, like obviously have that type of work in your portfolio. Um, I guess, you know, that's coming more from like a student who has, you know, no industry experience. Um, and, you know, I teach a lot of industrial designers. So this is like maybe more specific to products, but mm -hmm. design the type of products you want to, you know, get paid to work on. That's sort of uh, something I always try and do is like, yeah, demonstrate skills I want to be able to actually do in industry. And then luckily each time it's sort of happened like that, you know, so I've been using Blender, yeah, now nonstop for like a year and a half now. And it's been really, really good. So have you used any of the CAD programs like Fusion 360, Moi 3D? Yeah, yeah. So like a, a huge part of my job is is using Rhino. We use Rhino oh, okay. uh, in Australia, mostly because it's like a super affordable uh, seat license and it can do obviously all of the like solids and surfacing design you need to do, but it can also do drafting mm -hmm. and CAM. So they can do uh, computer aided manufacturing from your models and stuff. So yeah, I use Rhino every day. <laughs> Rhino and Blender are my current like go-to for, for film. So right. uh, concept design and 3D and Blender do some renders in EV and then bring it to Rhino for like documentation. And if anything needs to be turned into like a solids model, I can do that there mm -hmm. and deliver it. And then uh, magic people in a magic workshop somewhere make it <laughs> for real. So yeah, it's, it's crazy. That's an interesting thing. So do you design props to scale and sets to scale? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like everything, everything has to be down to, uh, to a human scale. And like uh, another thing I wanted to mention as well is like, I, I do have this sort of bizarre broad set of uh, things I'm interested in, which is sort of, uh, it actually came from architecture actually, but like I really enjoy using virtual reality to do mm -hmm. like set visualization. And uh, when I came to the film industry here in particular, like a lot of people hadn't heard of that or even been using it. So uh, the architecture firm I came from, like trained me in, in doing VR for like architectural um, preview for clients and then nice. come to the film industry, which is like cutting edge and they like don't use headsets. So I like, pretty much brought one in and like was sort of forcing it on people's heads and they were like what are you doing and then they kind of opened their eyes and they're like oh this is amazing you know like I'd say the the best example on like Aquaman was we were designing like Manta's sub which is like this you know little submarine he's in that's like really meant to be feel claustrophobic and stuff mm -hmm. so that set was drawn up and uh I did some like VR renders just some stereo still renders in that set um at standing height and you know, showed the director and got to walk around with him in a soundstage where we taped out this set and where it would be. And like understanding the scale of that set was like incredible because you're, you know, you're not looking at a 2D plan trying to interpret it. Um, you can feel it with your, like your eyes, you know, just like reality. So uh, that led to like a huge uh, change, like amount of changes in that set that made it even better. That's and amazing. yeah, everything we do is, is definitely to scale. And like, uh, you know, it can be super useful for like, cockpits and things in spaceships like you put a VR headset on in the cockpit and you can like reach out and use the handles you know like uh, the joysticks and in, in the spaceship like that's that's something that I've done a couple of times and like it's always cool to uh to show like a production designer not you know something that was a 2D painting it's now like a 3D uh, model they can interact with and then in like 10 to 12 weeks it'll be a physical set they can like actually use so that's amazing <laughs> yeah it's I guess it also brings cool. like an additional level of ergonomic believability when you're designing something. 
It does. Yeah. And like, it makes you check everything. Cause you know, um, you can always do a render from a nice angle and say the design looks really good, but mm -hmm. in VR, like you can, you can't really cheat. Everything needs to be like resolved, you know, um, and it needs to make sense from all angles. But are you actually think, designing in VR or do you design in Rhino and then put it into VR? Yeah. Yeah. So a, lo a lot of it, um, especially when like when doing sets, you are designing like a CAD software and then you're um, importing it to like Unreal Engine just mm. to demonstrate the current model. And then you can sort of make adjustments from there. Yeah. So I, I haven't actually done a lot of design in VR, played okay. with it a little bit, but um, a lot of what I do is, is yeah, really detailed 3D models um, and then presenting them in VR to really like test them and prove that uh, the shot design is, for example, going to work. So yeah, that's been a, a really useful process that I always try and, uh, you know, provide on films, you know, because sometimes it can be the difference between a set being uh, approved and built to to maybe, oh, we don't need this anymore, you know. So mm. uh, whatever I can do to help the art directors and the production designer get their vision on, on screen, it's whatever technology you can use, you know. So, but, and, and talking about scale as well, like we always have a model maker in the art department who's making uh, incredible like foam and 3D printed models of these designs too. Mm -hmm. So it's, you get used to uh, like working in different software, getting models from everyone, all different file types and like blending it all together into one thing to, to make a presentation model. So yeah, it's super interesting. That's cool. I guess the production designers must really enjoy that because for the past so many years or decades, they've just been working with basically 2D drawings. So having that experience. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Pencil and paper and like, you know, and we still do that. Like there are still set designers and artists who do all of that stuff and it can be just as useful, but I think it's like every situation has a different tool, you know, mm. you can apply there. So it's always about just understanding like the intent of that sequence, you know, like usually when you start on a film, you get to like read the script and you're like, okay, that's what we're doing. And that's what the scene is about, you know? And then as a designer, you get to hopefully try and assist that story happening or just, you know, do your best to, to make sure that it's all going to end on, end up on screen in the best light possible. So, and, and yeah, sometimes VR is a solution. Um, you know, sometimes like uh, animated fly-throughs is a solution. And, and that's something that I learned in architecture as well. So SketchUp was, yeah, SketchUp something I've used on on every film project, um, except for this latest one. So it's it's interesting, like finally uh, moving on. <laughs> but I, I love that tool, man. It was the best. It's a good tool. I mean, I, I was quite surprised to see you were using SketchUp. I think you and this other designer, Christopher Rosewarn, he was the only yes, other yeah, person I awesome. know. Yeah. Yeah, you're yeah. looking at these like crazy forms and you're like, how, what? <laughs> exactly. But, you know, it's, I think once you understand how like components and arraying and all that stuff works, it's like, oh, okay. You just, you know, lots of sub components and, and doing clever stuff like that. But mm -hmm. I think what's been really cool is like with picking up like the heavy poly hotkeys is it's essentially the same process, you know, it's just in poly modeling and all the same techniques are there and all the speed is there still. So I think, yeah, as I mentioned, like I held on to SketchUp for too long and I've finally like diversified, you know, I can do complex surfaces and I can do curves and all sorts of really cool stuff like animations, fly throughs, mm -hmm. everything into one software. And, you know, uh, that's been really like empowering just from, uh, I have an idea and I want to create something perspective, um, being able to actually like deliver that your vision. Uh, Cause you know, like I used to get SketchUp and export to like Keyshot or 3ds Max and V-Ray and then, mm -hmm before RT rendering, like you would just be like typing in numbers, hoping the material looks like a metal and then hitting render and it doesn't. <laughs> and then you like wait half an hour and do it again. <laughs> like it's so mm -hmm. slow. 
now EV and all that stuff is just like awesome. You know, you can output renders that look fantastic for the need. Um, yeah, and it's just, it, I think as artists, especially in like a production environment, which I guess you might be quite used to in games, I'm not sure what the pace is like, because, you know, sometimes it is like a one day turnaround for something or, you know, or a couple of days. I think any tool that can help uh, alleviate the stress and like do it in one program and do it quickly, yeah. uh, I really appreciate. So That's true, that's true. Um, yeah, when you were mentioning the, let's say, lack of consistency, so to speak, in terms of the film mm -hmm. contracts that come up, I had a question, which I just, I didn't want to miss out on that. So how is oh, the okay, yeah. contractual process like, actually? Do you work for a production company or is it like mm -hmm. you're attached to a particular film and then the contract ends? How does that go? Yeah, it's it's pretty much like being attached to a particular film. And, you know, once, like, essentially, I didn't know anyone in, in the film industry when I started. So as I mentioned, I sort of emailed the portfolio in and then drove in there and met them. And they were like, sure, you can work here. Like it was very coming out of nowhere. Um, you know, some people at least have friends working in film and then they sort of have the skill to get in and stuff. But uh, yeah, like every film that I've worked on has been, you know, worked on the first film and then the same uh, managing art directors started the next one. So they're like, would you like to, you know, come and do this one, you know, and, and it's like this, this cool relationship and that, you know, if you meet production designers and you make a good impression, it can lead to more work in the future for sure. Mm -hmm. um, but it is, uh, yeah, as you mentioned, like it's a single contract. So I'm, you know, currently working for Marvel and Disney and, you know, when that ends, that's sort of the end of it. Um, and like, even the way that productions come in and use a studio, you know, like they set everything up from scratch each time. So, like all the departments are empty warehouses essentially and then you okay. come in and build it up for the show and i think it's just to do with with budgeting and how they need to do all of the books you know but they're like yeah doing everything from scratch each time and i think the other huge shock is like when i did start on thor like i didn't know i needed to bring my own computer because in an architecture you just you go in and work and there's this workstation yeah so you know like all that stuff's provided but as contractor it's like okay chuck your huge desktop computer in the car and like drive it down the coast and you know like i brought my own chair like <laughs> you know like they just have tables and stuff it's like uh set up your your stuff and, and get to work and like i guess it's kind of cool but it, it can make it harder like working overseas like i don't know how you know how to move my heavy rendering computer overseas on an airplane <laughs> so is that something that you have to do like on a daily basis like bring your workstation back and forth Oh, no, like, uh, so once you're down there, like, you just leave it there. I okay, have, okay. I'm a nerd, so I have, like, multiple computers. But, um, <laughs> you know, yeah, like, I guess, because sometimes there are some films that are three months, you know, and, mm -hmm. and like, the contract, the other thing is, like, there's never a, a deadline, like, uh, in terms of your, or an, an end date. It's, like, we think we want you from here to here, you know, so uh, you're just extended and extended, extended, and then one Monday they're, like, okay, you're finishing Friday. So oh. you're, like, oh, okay, you know. <laughs> that's all right cool all right thanks bye everyone you know so yeah you just like bring your computer down set it up and you're there for like three months and then maybe you're working in a different city next time so i think people are just really used to that um like that change it's stressful though right like changing a job is stressful yeah yeah absolutely and doing it like four times a year is like a lot on you know yeah it's a lot of pressure i think but um I think a lot of people in film are just used to that process and like, especially on the production end where it is like, you need to move to Sydney to work on the next thing and then to Melbourne and then back to the Gold Coast. Like it's just how it works. So, I mean, for um, you personally, how does that happen? You are based in Brisbane, you said, right? Yeah, I'm based in Brisbane. So like, um, 
I for like Aquaman, I moved down the coast and I lived there for like seven months. And then in um, in, in terms, sorry to cut you off, but like in terms of oh no, yeah, finding accommodation is that something the studio does or is that something? Yeah, so uh, they they can do that. Like in Sydney, I think if you're a set designer, they usually uh, provide accommodation or they like they help you out with pedims and stuff like that. But as a uh, from Brisbane, I was sort of considered a local, so it would just be like drive down there and find your own place, you know. Um, but it's different every time, you know, like that's the thing is uh, the situations are different and like the roles are different. Like every time I've had a different label, but I've been doing sometimes similar things then also totally different things. Like Godzilla was like the first vehicle set I got to design um, with the heave, got to design like a, an aircraft one-to-one, which we built for real, wow. uh, which was like just the most incredible experience, essentially being told we get to make like a, you know, military jet-esque uh, sci-fi <laughs> ship and we're going to do it for real, um, including like a full cockpit and everything. It was just amazing. So, yeah. <laughs> um, Are those the designs that you just released like yesterday or something? Yeah, yeah. That's the stuff I'm going to start dropping. Um, yeah, I have some pictures of the actual physical build as well. So mm. that's sort of the concept and model that I released yesterday on Instagram. Amazing. And I've got a lot of stuff to share. <laughs> um but, you know, like any of these things, you're working with a huge team of, of people. So it's like, it's hard to say, like, I designed that thing when, you know, there was like 30 people who like helped get it to what it was. And then, you know, a huge construction department and like all of this stuff. Mm, but for being being part of that team is like the highlight. It's just, yeah, amazing. Um, but yeah, like going from contract to contract can be super stressful. And yeah, bringing your own equipment is definitely, you know, one part of that. And, and also finding accommodation for sure. So I think it's just a, a lifestyle and trying to, to work out, you know, where to rent and all that sort of stuff. Um, so far it's been, it's been going well, but it, it is just like negotiating, you know, what your next move is and working remotely for me alleviates a lot of that stress. Mm-hmm. If I can continue to do so, I think that would be like fantastic. Um, like our props department, they even bring their own equipment. So like they're bringing in their own laser cutters and all of their tools and all of their stuff every time. So I shouldn't complain about bringing like two monitors and a computer, like, you know, two hours away, but uh, yeah, it's just like, it's one of those things you don't expect, I guess. You don't like think Mm. about um, how that sort of works, but I think, I think it's great that you're putting it out there because I think it's a reality check for people who want to get into the film industry. Yeah, Uh, for sure. Like, and I think, it's even interesting on the inside like you know you you see like even behind the scenes and stuff on films and like it's everyone's happy and like you know it can be an extremely positive like you know situation but obviously there's a lot of stress and there's a lot of things that you don't um sort of expect and one of those things is like yeah consistency of work and um yeah just knowing like what the next thing is and and trying to get onto the next thing can be really difficult so Mm -hmm. But I think that's just life, you know, and I think being diverse with your skill set to work in different industries is crucial anyway. So, you know, I've, I, you know, like that architecture firm I started out, I worked on floor and then I like went back there and worked there for, you know, a couple of months and then did Aquaman and then same thing. So it's just kind of cool, like working with companies who like understand you leave and disappear for six months and do this crazy film thing and then like come back again. Like, yeah, it's just sort of part of the equation. So yeah, it's quite nice of them to allow you to go back and come yeah, back Yeah, it's again. super cool. Like, I think on Thor, like, I, as I mentioned, I didn't have a computer. So, like, one of the guys in this architecture firm was like, oh, like, I've got a spare laptop. I can give you that for a week. So, like, I was just, like, sitting on a laptop, you know, designing this, like, like language for Sakaar and with Dan Henner and, like, all these, you know, amazing artists. And, like, it was it was crazy. <laughs> and then you're like, okay, got to actually go and find a computer and, like, you know, slowly set it up and get used to it, how that all works. But, mm-hmm. um. 
I don't know. Yeah, just super, super cool. Yeah. Yeah, the language design aspect is something I wanted to discuss with you because that's a fairly unique skill set. Not everyone has that on their portfolio. Yeah, I mean, it's like a how do you get paid to do that? Um, yeah, I, it was just something that I was always like just would doodle. You know, like mm-hmm. people sketch stuff. Um, I would just draw like languages and symbols and inspired like everyone you know by star wars and i think you know like yeah just designing languages is just a, such a cool element of sci-fi where it's like makes it believable you know mm. and thor in particular was was really cool because like you know my first role was essentially looking at like the the language from jack kirby or like the the comic visual language langu- language in his drawings and sort of looking at shapes and pulling ideas out and then turning that in, them into characters you know um and then like from the first couple of days of that stuff to like six months into the film project and seeing like symbols, you know, on walls and on people's faces and costumes and stuff. It was like, I don't know how to stumble into that, but I did. And it was awesome. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, that's something I just really enjoy doing. And I'd, I'd like to share more of that stuff, you know, like designing fonts for artists to use for, for their own projects. I just think alien language is just super cool. It's yeah. just this, I don't know, it's just weird thing that I can do. Um, but as I guess even at the start, you mentioned, you know, I did a lot of like line drawing and pen work and then like 3D stuff. I think I've always been like, I always wanted to be a painter, for example, but in the interim just sort of developed some 3D skills and I'm like, wait, rendering, I can just do it that way. <laughs> like I'm never going to be good at painting. So, you know, um, yeah, it's really interesting how like how you get to that end image, that end goal, you know, so 3D is pretty much my my main thing, I guess. And I, it took me a while to be confident in even sharing that work. So for a while, I was just scared, like sharing sketches and and mm-hmm. and that sort of work. So yeah, it's really interesting. So there was something I was quite curious about. When you start working on these larger productions, you almost you definitely see the whole world is developing in that particular film. Mm-hmm. Do you ever get a feeling that in your personal work, you also want to expand the range of things that you're designing? Because Right now you're like super specialized in a particular type of work. Do you feel like you want to design the architecture more or the world around more? How does that work for you? Yeah, absolutely. That's an extremely good question. Like I think, you know, like any artist nowadays is can be inspired by so many people like Mm -hmm. looking at Instagram and ArtStation, there's so much going on and like, it's hard to choose what to focus on, you know, like what, where do you specify and I think for me, like every film I've done, I've learned something completely new, like a new tool or, or even just found a new interest through studying something. But I, I would say more so like every film I finished working on it, it sort of just gives me more energy and like desire to to get better at doing that stuff and and definitely expanding. Like, uh, you know, for example, the work I did just post, like I've never really done keyframes before and like 3D characters, like that was a huge gap in my portfolio. So I've been really pushing myself to try and develop and learn those skills like okay. substance painter and marvelous designer and stuff. So yeah, absolutely. Like I think every film project you do, it's always like, okay, what can I do in my own like IP or my own work on the side that, you know, can express things that I'm not able to express through like the film project. Cause you, you know, at the end of the day, just like any commercial work, you're working for someone else's vision. Um, and like, if that vision aligns with your interests, that's like fantastic. Like that's the best situation. You get to design that really cool thing. But a lot of the time, you know, I feel like even personal work can be more fulfilling anyway, because you're able to just like really focus on something that you care about, that you want other people to enjoy. Um, I don't know, do you feel the same way? Like I, I'd be really interested to hear about more of the, the work that you do and what you do in your own 
um, sort of personal development, especially like with your, your recent release of that film, mm-hmm. um, did that come from a similar desire of, of wanting to sort of... Like for, for quite a few years, while I was learning the skills for concept art and environment design specifically, I was seeing a particular kind of trend and a particular kind of composition that was just repeating yeah. everywhere. So I was just yeah. noticing the same trends in my own work and I wasn't quite happy with where it was going. So that's when the film started because I wanted to like strip down to the very basic compositions and just focus mm. on simple shapes. and Yeah, clarity. beautiful compositions. Like I, yeah, been oh. seeing everything you've been posting and it's Thank like, you. it's very, very inspiring. And I think, you know, that's something that again, like, cause I focus a lot on objects, you know, mm-hmm. how do you, how do you like shoot that in, in a cinematic way? And like, I think for me, I definitely want to move into, to doing like it, being capable of doing environment works and keyframes and things, even if just for my own projects. But um, I think as artists, you know, we all have a unique voice. We want to share stuff that we really care about. And I think, you know, again, most of the time, like the stuff that's at the front of my portfolio is my personal work, you know, cause I think it's the stuff that I, I've done the best on uh, and that could be because I spent way too much time on it. I'm not sure, but just to get like an estimate, I mean, you, re- you did that CubeSat project, which was like really, really detailed. Yes. How long does it take to do yeah. something like that? <laughs> yeah, that, that was a pretty huge undertaking. Cause again, like I, I love satellites. I love space stuff. Anything that adds to the conversation of like a positive future in space mm-hmm. is really interesting to me. So uh, yeah, that project took a while. <laughs> like, I'd probably say like, I mean, because it's it's hard to say of, of full times and hours a day, but like probably took eight weeks mm-hmm. and, you know, doing like a couple of hours every now and then on it because it was rare I had a full day to spend on it, um, yeah. you know, doing other work. But yeah, like uh, these things, they, I mean, art is hard, you know, <laughs> like it can be a struggle. Um, and yeah, that one, I was just trying to really push detail and realism and again, start to tell a bit of a story with a scene of something under construction and, uh, you know, just express something that I find just fascinating and really cool. You know, like my reference library is just full of like NASA satellites and like cool techie details. I'm sure you have the same thing, but like, yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, I just, I get so inspired by that stuff. I just think, uh, particularly things uh, under maintenance, I think is just a really cool subject area because it like, it adds to that realism, right? It's mm-hmm. a real thing that needs to be repaired or like built and, you know, starting to add characters into that situation, I think is something I'm going to focus on. So like making these deck crew guys, um, you know, I love to do like a maintenance scene working on a, on a ship. I just think that's such a cool narrative aspect. So, yeah. Do you have any like larger stories that you want to start developing through these projects? Yeah, definitely. And I think like for a long time, you know, art, you can just, make art for whatever you're feeling and I think that that's cool like posting lots of different projects and showing different skills but at the end of the day the idea of making something that combines to be a bigger whole is really attractive you know Mm -hmm. like so I I definitely would like to start doing that um and I have a few things in the works that will hopefully begin to do that but um I I tend to start a lot of projects and finish a few <laughs> you know I do finish them eventually but I'm not, I'm not sure if you're the same like I feel like making a short film you have to be extremely like diligent and like you know I'm assuming a lot of hours went into that and a lot of focus and dedication like anything mm-hmm. um but yeah you know I, I end up always like going to a you know or just yeah my stomach is bigger than or my eyes are bigger than my stomach you know <laughs> like I'm like I want to do all these projects and I end up 
being able to finish like one of them, you know, but I, I don't know if that's the same for you. Like, yeah, I, I guess the hardest part of doing these extremely long projects is to resist the urge to start something new immediately. Because exactly. You have so yeah. many ideas and at a given point. Yeah. I always try and make sure that the, like the purpose for starting a project is really solid. Um, I'm inspired mm. by it and I think it's important to do. And I think anything I start like that, I will finish it. The question is just when, <laughs> um, and sometimes it's like a, a gap in technical ability, you know, so like I, you know, there's a lot of things I don't know about rendering I want to get better at. And every time I do a project, I feel like I at least push forward a little bit into that area of feeling more confident with what I do mm -hmm. um, and, and looking forward to the next thing that I can do better and, and faster. Um, yeah, I think that's just art in general. You know, you always want to be developing. And uh, like recently I bought a, a resin printer and uh, really got into like making physical things like 3D printed uh, parts. Yeah, I've been, that. A, I've been following that. I've been following that. Yeah, like I'm super excited to make... Um, you know, like characters or just things that I can share with people who are interested in model making and stuff. I think that's such a cool way of doing it. Like, I don't know if you're into model kits or anything. Uh, I have a lot of model kits I haven't even opened. Like the, and the boxes are just like piling up in my house. But, uh, you know, you used to buy these things and they'd get like shipped overseas. Now you can like buy a digital file and print something at home and like, you know, have like a hover bike or something on your desk. Like, it's just so in incredible that the technology is like affordable now. And, and a lot of people have, have been buying these printers. So it's like a really cool area to be working in. So, Do you have any interest in like developing your own toys or something like that, which you can eventually sell? Yeah, I think that would be really cool. Yeah, um, I definitely do. I think it's just finding the thing that's unique enough, you know, mm -hmm. um, and that people would be interested in. But I think, again, with like an STL, there's sort of less, uh, you know, there's less stress there. Like you're not making a line of physical products or paying for packaging or anything like it's, can be a digital file. So that's, I think that's definitely something I want to explore. And, you know, especially, particularly in like a vehicle um, setting, you know, like I love, you know, anything science fiction, but then like realistic vehicles, I think would be a really cool thing to focus on for like model kits. Nice. Um, yeah, that's definitely something I'm going to start working on. So it's like anything, having time, you know, there's like only so much you can do in a day, you know, like, uh, you know, in film, like we work from 8 a.m. to 6.30 p.m. I don't know if that's, like similar to like, what's your work day like? Mm, more like nine to seven. Okay. That's still a lot of hours, right? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, you know, we're doing like 50 to 60 hour weeks. Um, and then there's all the other things in life <laughs> around that to do. So I think um, prioritizing something I need to work on, you know, like I definitely still see myself as like needing to develop and grow in so many ways and like seeing artists post amazing work all the time it's just like that fuel that i need um i don't know about you like when you see you know someone post something new and and just like what they're doing does it inspire you or scare you because constantly constantly inspiring yeah. and also like questioning what you're trying to achieve with your work or what direction you're trying to that's go true in. yeah yeah i think it can be like a really healthy process though because i mean from my experience like the art community is such a nice community everyone is like very positive and like uh willing to share information but mm -hmm. also just uh really interested in like creating art for discussion sense you know like yeah. putting forward ideas that haven't been explored before or in this particular light so again like the whole idea of concept art is just like incredible in my mind you know i'm sure you feel the same way it's like we're really painting a, a picture of the future and we're sort of the forerunners of that uh, which is like a really cool job are there any particular designers whose work you constantly keep revisiting? Uh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there, there are like, uh, obviously like Sparth for one. Mm -hmm. I mean, 
I, it's hard to even like label them because there are so many. I think all of the obvious ones, you know, like my kill, um, you know, like I could go on and on and on, but like pretty much anyone who's done, it's on, you know, vehicle design, like Benjamin Last, Jeremy Love, mm. like, uh, yeah, uh, how, a lot of artists inspire me. How about from architecture? Do you have any architects that you really look up to and maybe not directly translate their design, so to speak, but just the way they approach holistically? Yeah, uh, I really like uh, big architects. I mean, oh, they're obviously like of one of the leading firms, but their just whole approach to to creativity and design is still really inspiring. Again, one of my early visions in life is to work for them. But, um, <laughs> I think all architecture students start off like that. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think especially now it's like, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, definitely. Like, and I, I even really enjoy architectural rendering, like looking at um, the amount of effort and time that goes into making beautiful images of architecture. There's so much to be learned from that industry. You know, it's always, I think, crucial to look to look at that discipline and like bring ideas back into film. And same with games, like, and, and almost any in discipline, it's just seeing like what's happening um, and sort of, yeah, making sure that like, yeah, I guess the work that you're putting out there is like fresh and really well considered. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, that's that's something that I do all the time. So, but yeah, like I, you know, Instagram is one of those things that you like can open it and feel incredible or feel like, oh my gosh, I need to work on my stuff so much. You know, it's a it's an interesting thing with social media. I, I don't know how you feel about it recently, but like, I don't know, do you feel a lot of pressure to post work? Like I, I think I treat Instagram in a pretty negative way in that, well, not negative, but like I want it to always look really polished, like it's a portfolio when I don't mm. think Instagram should be that. It's almost like a stream of ideas and people maybe find like work in progress stuff more interesting. But I always just like freak out about things not being finished or perfect. So I don't post it, but I probably should. So what, what's your mentality there? Like that's, that's an interesting one. I think early on, I was more casual with the way I was posting stuff, but now I'm also leaning more in the same direction as you where stuff should look good and it should be feeling. Yeah. Good. It's a, it's, I think it's a bad thing though. Like yeah. I wish I it, I, it comes from like being passionate about what you do you know, and then wanting to do the best you can. Mm -hmm. And then that leads to being like, well, this isn't good enough. So I'm not going to post anything for three months, which is like what I do. I like <laughs> post something and then like just sit and watch. But um, yeah, I, I need to really work on that. I think, cause you know, I think just sharing like more of the behind the scenes can be interesting and, and showing like failures and stuff. Cause obviously uh, putting like your best stuff forward is cannot always be true. You know, like there's so many hours of stuff that didn't work and mm -hmm. like, I don't know. And I think Instagram is one of those things that for it to go well, you need to be posting like every couple of days anyway. So it's, it's interesting, but is that sort of your main platform, like ArtStation and Instagram? Pretty much the same as everyone yeah. in the entertainment. Everyone. Yeah. yeah. I think you touched upon a good point, you know, like in terms of showing the failures of design, putting those sketches out yeah. there. I think it also humanizes the process of design because people who are totally. looking from the outside, just see these polished works that you put out there but they don't know how much trial and error has actually gone into it. Yeah, and like the same goes for like portfolio pieces that are personal, like you can spend like 10 weeks on something um, and then on production, you know, maybe you're given like a week or, or less. So like knowing the context that the art came from is really important sometimes mm. as well. Um, and I don't know, I guess people probably don't really share like this took this many hours, but it would probably be interesting to know um, I think it's yeah, I, I think it's hard to quantify as well because like you were mentioning earlier totally. a lot yeah. of stuff that we do is like after hours and I think people yeah, who like are this took every night for a month yeah. yeah yeah exactly I mean how do you even quantify that it's tough right because yeah it um, is very tough 
again it's like the people who are really really consistent with the work that they do do put in more hours than the average totally. artist as well so it's yeah you have to keep it in perspective yeah absolutely and i think there's also this thing where like you know if you're very new to concept art or you're like in school studying art um you know to compare yourself to like people leading the industry who've been doing it for a very long time mm. you know it can be like unhealthy you know I think it's always good to see what other people are doing and see like where the standard is and just like get inspired to always get better. That's really healthy um, in a positive way. But obviously there's also the aspect of like, you know, it's okay, you know, if you're young, it's going to be okay. You've got time to like develop the skills and have those experiences, you know. Um, but yeah, like just in general, I'm still just super happy with the, um, the experiences that I've had and just grateful, you know, to be able to work even in this industry. Like it's a incredible experience every time and you know just meeting artists is I think the highlight for me working with other people as always it's sort of the benefit of a job working remotely you don't have any of that contact like mm, that's true. you know yeah I know you, you like you recently mentioned sorry sorry to just cut you off you but you, that's okay yeah you had mentioned that you worked with Owen Patterson for the recent Godzilla. yeah yeah so how was that experience like because he's like a pretty legendary figure yeah, he's so like, uh, it can be really healthy not knowing like who people are when you work on a film. I had like no idea. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously, I had seen all of his work, but I didn't know like the name to the face. So like, yeah, just in the art department, just sitting at the lunch table. He was the guy like, you know, drinking soup. <laughs> like He had like miso soup every day and like loveliest guy ever, really down to earth. And then like the next day, like, oh, he's the production designer. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> but uh, Owen, Owen's lovely. And, you know, I think he has been through sort of the process you know like uh that all these set designers and artists have been through so we really understand what it's like to be in the role that we're in and uh he he loves sketchup so we got along really well you know that was a wow. just a super cool uh experience you know nice and you know like you, it's hot you want to be like oh my god what was it like designing the matrix you know <laughs> like it's one of those things um and i think a lot of the time people are too nervous to ask that stuff but you know if you ask the questions they're usually probably super happy to share their experiences because that's what life is about like you know telling other people about what you've been through and and you know sharing that positivity and energy with others I think is like why we do it really um but yeah that was that was really cool like every artist and production designer I've worked with has been like a highlight and uh, on this recent film I'm on being remotely I've definitely missed that opportunity and um missed that contact with other people because you always walk around the art department and see someone doing something new yeah whether it be like a 2d painter who's just picked up zbrush and now they're like spitting out amazing stuff that they've got all this 2d shape language and like graphical knowledge that they can put into 3d and you're like that guy is unstoppable now you know <laughs> like um i definitely miss that aspect but then there's also been really you know some benefits to being remote as well so how have you found life remotely i mean are you super used to it now like it's it's a tough one to be honest i think yeah, at a certain level we are used to it physically but i also yeah. quite miss that interaction because i love having those kind of conversations that you're talking about totally but yeah it i think the monotony is the worst part of it because you get stuck in yeah. this similar routine so to speak so you have to keep yeah find, that's a really good you know, point finding ways to let's say reinvent your own schedule or the kind of work that you're doing yeah totally and like just being in an art department where stuff is just happening all the time it keeps it interesting you know mm -hmm. like uh as you say the day-to-day -day monotony is sort of uh you know removed by just stuff happening all the time and people coming in with different experiences and backgrounds and that's like again 
and you know that's also why I teach like you're meeting people from all walks of life who've had different experiences and you know you're able to sort of like get their ideas and steer them in a particular way and like being in film it's the same thing like you're always learning you're always um picking up tools from different artists and like that's that feeling of progression and moving forward is probably the the highlight for me every time you know you came in and you left with some new skill and some new friends you know that's that's what life is about really that's absolutely true i mean especially I, i want to go a bit deeper into your teaching experience as well because you're interacting with like a lot of fresh minds and new people wanting yeah. to come into the industry how i mean how is that experience like because you're also still fairly young it's not like you're very old or something yeah like that, i mean so. i've yeah i've been out of uni for like 5 years yeah um no it's it's awesome like i think the main thing for me is i had such a positive experience at university that i sort of want to be a part of that teaching team that delivered that to me mm-hmm. and and sort of be there to give that to the next generation or like just the people that are coming through and like i think the really cool thing as well is as i've you know been teaching for like 6 years um you know at a university level like seeing the skill level and quality of work go up every year because each year is looking at you know what the year um last did and mm-hmm. then sort of getting better like that's amazing and students are coming out of high school now with like fusion 360 knowledge and all this stuff that you know I didn't really have and it's just like amazing to see where they'll go so yeah teaching is is super rewarding and you know it's like definitely for me as well it's a really cool way to like break up break up the week cuz uh on every film i've worked on they've been really cool and let me either catch up by working on a weekend or just do a four day week and then one day teaching so um you know i'd like work at the university for a day and it's just a way to like totally break up your schedule and just yeah keep things really interesting and and get that positivity you know not that people on films aren't positive but there is an aspect of like oh we've done this before it's just going to be like this you know yeah <laughs> it's a box cool. um i'm like it should be a sphere you know like um and i think students definitely have that like that positivity and that enthusiasm um so it it can be really really good to be around so yeah so in terms of um let's say the typical day while teaching are you like teaching a particular software or is it more like design theory how does that actually yeah work? yeah so i teach first year design um and that's a, a range of like theory um and design styling so like studying products and designs and mm-hmm. working out how to sort of relay language and continue like a brand vision for example um and then all the way through to like sketching so like perspective technique um to rendering that sort of thing we do a lot of analog stuff first year so we're really getting those like fundamental skills up in drawing because mm-hmm. drawing is still so crucial to communicate an idea um you know and an idea is only as good as your ability to convey it to someone else so we teach sketching and that's something i really enjoy uh doing so that's as a as a tutor essentially you know demonstrating drawing teaching people skills um and then i also do yeah some fusion 360 and rendering tutorials as well so i've been pushing blender um at this university saying <laughs> you know it's free tool you guys should pick it up um especially for product designers even if you just use it for rendering you can get some amazing results and you know there's so so many resources out there now like the heavy poly youtube course um all of his free stuff is awesome yeah. um i don't know like do you use blender native or do you use any like plugins or no i just use it as like as it comes from the box because i've been using it for I don't know about... if i can even <laughs> yeah i wonder if i could even use it uh, from the box cuz like just the hotkeys to make so much sense to be in terms of like modeling and stuff but um but yeah no that's really interesting i yeah. think the thing is because i don't do much modeling inside blender i yeah. do a lot yeah. of it in zbrush and yeah cool fusion 360 earlier but now i'm switching to moe 
So yeah, it's yeah, Moy's awesome. So Moy's developed by the same people as Rhino. I don't mm. know if you know that. Yeah, but, um, yeah. Moy's like a more complex in terms of modeling ability, but also simplified version of Rhino. So they're awesome tools. I think Rhino is something I do want to pick up at some point because of the work workability with Grasshopper, and I really want to yeah, like parametric that. stuff. Yeah, yeah that yeah. would be awesome. Yeah, I know. I I'd love to learn that as well. I think um that's an aspect of like what we could do with 3D modeling now that's just like mind blowing stuff. Um, but yeah, like I think just as, as a tool in general, like if you, if you know any CAD or CAM software that can do solids um, modeling, like whether that be SolidWorks or like Inventor, um, that's always gonna be useful. I think, uh, especially in like industrial design and manufacturing for film, you know, like essentially, I think I mentioned this earlier, but if I've designed a prop, you know, it's a Rhino model that's a solid, I'll be passing that to props and then, they'll be like tearing it apart and working out how to, which one, like which part will be CNC, which part will be um, laser cut, which part will be 3D printed and, or, you know, are we going to grab a pipe and this and glue it together? Like, how are they going to make it, you know? Um, and it's this interesting thing that like, I've a, working in like, uh, in industrial design, you need to like document products and parts and make like injection molds and everything needs to be so precise. And it takes like two years to make a product, you know, from like start to finish. Uh, and in film, it's like, well, we have, you know, a week. So <laughs> everything's like foam and like plywood. It's, it's it's such a different approach to like making forms that I, I feel really lucky that I can just give them a model and they'll make it. And they do like so much incredible work. And I think that's one thing I'd like to say as well as in any creative field, uh, field, especially film, you know, I only do one part of the step, you know, like we're making a 3D model, we're passing it on. And then the props team using their incredible knowledge and skill to make that design, but then they can add to it as well. Like they're giving their ability and then it goes to paint and then they detail it up and highlight the bits that really need to be seen. And then, you know, the people who light it do their job. It's just this really cool pipeline of like all of these people with incredible like craftsmanship and skill uh, to deliver this end product, which is why I think like every frame of every film is like, something there to appreciate you know yeah. think of the amount of people that are behind that thing <laughs> i think it's yeah i mean it's really humbling when you think about the number of people involved in creating something like this it's it's, yeah, it's totally. really hard to it imagine <laughs> unless you actually see the people actually doing the work it's quite hard to comprehend it is yeah and like uh, especially like construction crews you know where you know like at village road show there are like nine sound stages um and then sometimes we use like different lots around um, the areas, so, like different warehouses on different, um, you know, different suburbs and stuff. But like that's nine stages full of sometimes multiple sets all being built at once. So it's like wow. essentially, you know, like nine construction sites where everything's happening. And we use like a lot of CNC and, and stuff to do large scale forms quickly. And then so, again, there's a whole lot of work that goes into making that sort of stuff that, uh, it's just on a totally different scale to like a prop in terms of detail and, and everything. So it's just fascinating. And I think the the number one lesson is just like everyone in their different discipline has such an incredible skill. It's really working out how to best complement each other and work together. Um, and that's where like, I think it's also really cool, not only just meeting artists, but meeting people with totally different skill sets and worlds, like where they're coming from. Yeah. Cause you can learn so much from them. Um, and you can only make you better at your job as well, which is, I think, another really positive thing. Just having that, like, understanding of what this thing you're making, is, where it's going to go. Where it's gonna... Yeah. Hey, sorry, you just broke up a little bit. Couldn't get that. Loose. Oh, okay. 
Oh, that's okay. Sorry. I was just saying that, uh, yeah, working with people from different disciplines is really rewarding because you just mm -hmm. understand, you know, a lot more about the process and where they're coming from and how to give them what they need, you know? Yeah, that's quite true. Especially because um, when you're working in only one department, right, you just focus on what you want to do. But then totally. when yeah. you start yeah. realizing what the next person needs, then you really yeah. understand what the pipeline is for. And yeah, that's quite Yeah, true. and it can just make, streamline things, you know, you're giving them the right information. So, and I think that all just comes with experience, you know, mm -hmm. so, but yeah. That's interesting. So something I just wanted to touch upon earlier was, I mean, at this point, you have like a hard surface design and set design as well as language design portfolio, so to speak. Yes. But somebody looking at your work from the outside may wonder, like, how on earth do I do so many different things? How, what yeah. would you kind of approach or tell them how to approach something like this? Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's been a really interesting process because like studying industrial design, you know, like I was like, I want to be an industrial designer. I was like, no, I want to work in film like this so many things I want to do. And I think it, it can be hard to like rein that in to make something that's achievable, you know? Um, I think at the end, honestly, you can do whatever you want. It's just uh, deciding really what you want is the hard thing, you know, mm -hmm. like, and, and a lot of people have a vision for what a job might be like, and then they get there and they don't like it, you know? So like I always encourage students to get into industry as soon as they can and try their dream or try something similar to that and see if that's something that they really like. Yeah, so deciding what you want to do in, in any industry can be difficult. So I guess back to me having a quite a diverse portfolio in terms of like set design, props, vehicles, and language, um, is I would just say, yeah, like try what you're interested in and see what sticks and see, you know, if you can work in a particular uh, industry, I feel like having a diverse portfolio is a really good way to get there. Do you think there are any this, particular types of designs yeah. that, let's say, increase your chance of breaking into the industry. Yeah, absolutely. Like having things that are obviously aesthetically pleasing, but also like realistic and, and especially from a, like from my perspective, from a manufacturing perspective, like is this something that can be built? Um, and again, that's not uh, concept art usually is sort of separate to that, but I, I like to try and de deliver designs that are like 3D sort of concept designs but that can also be manufactured um, and sort of used in the film process. So mm -hmm. for me, like every project I post, it needs to demonstrate a different skill. And, you know, one of them needs to say, I can do like Rhino CAD modeling for manufacture. Another one needs to say, I can do like rendering, you know, um, and all these skills, like, I feel like, again, the more you can demonstrate, the more opportunities you have to get employed. Um, and, you know, you never know where it'll, it'll take you as well. So it's almost like, why not, you know, try a bunch of things, see what you like, and then focus in on that thing you really enjoy doing um and you'll you know you can essentially go wherever you like i guess so in in that sense it's super inspiring like just work on stuff you're interested in and you'll get employed somewhere to do that work so mm. that's interesting in terms of your design process do you spend a lot of time sketching out the ideas first before going into 3d yeah definitely and like i've just recently been using procreate a lot and i think resolving something in 2d to begin is always like crucial mm -hmm. um i just think because uh computers are hard and 3d modeling can be super difficult like unless you have very strong reference or a really good vision um going into the computer without a sketch can be a really big mistake mm -hmm. just in terms of like time use especially with like vehicles and things that need to function and work in a particular way just even a rough sketch can really help you like resolve and scope a project because you know sometimes you just want to like go bigger and bigger and bigger and again that can also be a mistake so yeah I definitely do a lot of 2d sketching um 
sometimes you never see it, but it's in the end result, I guess. So yeah, I think it's, you know, and a lot of like product design and, and even concept art, it is about like graphical shapes, like understanding 2D shape language, composition, things that look good um, from a profile, like the main profile should probably look pretty good in 3D. So yeah, the, the strongest thing you can start as a foundation, like the best foundation you have is going to get you to the best end result. So definitely sketching is crucial. Hmm. I, I like the fact that you're emphasizing on that aspect because one has the tendency to get directly caught up with the 3D design part of it right now because of how easy the tools are to jump into. But I yeah, and I, I think like, if you know, again, if the idea is, is strong enough, you can do a block out, you know, but I, I always find I even do a 2D sketch and then a 3D really basic block out and then a sketch over that 3D model, you know, and mm -hmm. refine, refining the design in 2D again. And I think it's because 2D is always going to be faster than 3D for problem solving. Um, but then obviously you can execute that uh, solution in 3D and you sort of have a result where you can test it further, but it's, you know, it's like paint overs are always the best because you can quickly fix something or just explore options. Um, which is really what we're doing. We're sort of providing solutions to different problems. And it's like, what's the tool to do that? What's the quickest way to do that? And uh, sketching is like, yeah, absolutely crucial. I'm assuming it's the same for you. Like you uh, do you sketch out thumbnails and, and everything first. Yeah, definitely for my personal work, especially I do quite a bit of um, thumbnail first on paper. I think for the professional side of things, it's mostly a different kind of pipeline. So. It, yeah yeah but for the personal side of things definitely i like to sketch out i like to write down ideas quite a bit as well because i feel like writing yeah, down definitely helps quite a bit yeah having like a large like uh, pool of reference and like art direction to go to is, is really cool and like yeah as you say writing um like mind maps is something i always do as mm -hmm. well especially if it's an intricate design um what are all of the considerations and you know it can again help scope a project and i think the more sort of concrete outline you have for something it's not like restrictive from a creative perspective um the better the results going to be because you've really considered all aspects uh and you know there is a tendency in some concept art to see things that are overlooked and you know if if you can just get it to the sort of closest thing to a like realistic believable concept i think the the better it like the further it goes mm -hmm. if that makes sense you know um that actually yeah. leads me to something i wanted to discuss with you i mean in terms of design originality, how do you go about finding unique ways of depicting something? Because in something like what you're doing, where you're trying to very accurately represent something that's existing and trying mm -hmm. to modify it slightly, how do you develop yeah. a voice within that? Yeah, that's a, a really good question. And it's probably something I do struggle with. Like I do look at a lot of reference and I, again, tendency of wanting things to look you know, realistic, it, you do get close to real world things. Um, but I think, you know, just there's always adjustments you can make or things that you can do to push that vision into like a new discipline or a new area that makes it new again mm -hmm. or exciting. Um, so I think the, the main thing I do is I look at a lot of disciplines and I try and get inspiration from probably unexpected places. Um, but then I, you know, I usually make like an art board where I try and direct where I want this thing to go um, to make sure that it's unique. And like anything, you don't want to be you know, repeating something that's been said before, you want to be like adding to the conversation and trying to create something that is new. Um, and that can be really challenging to do. So for me, it's, yeah, a lot of research, um, really knowing what's been done in that field to then push push it and do something that is different, um, but not just for the sake of being different, actually trying to contribute uh, to an idea. And this leads me to like some of the work that I've done in the past has actually been for like research projects. So 
like a medical researcher I've worked with a few times who is actually doing like real world, you know, like uh, robotics in medical operating theaters, um, oh, wow. working with her to design like a, a future vision about where this technology can go to me is like the, the ideal uh, sort of career path. Like I love things that are like realistic and happening in terms of like a study or a, like a research direction. Um, and then adding a vision to that and a visualization of what that is to get people excited about it and start talking about it. So I guess you could sort of look at it as like future industrial design, you know, stuff that doesn't exist yet, but could be a near future. And hopefully it's a positive one as much as I love like Blade Runner and stuff. I try and make things like <laughs> positive, you know, yeah. like uh, like I did like a Mars future vision. And again, it's like, what could this be? And uh, this is my particular take on it, but it's like people empowered by like products and machines and technology and architecture to, you know, go to new places. Like that's a super inspiring topic to me. So yeah, I guess that's sort of where I, I try and ground it in something like that. Like a, I'm, I'm always like checking out like, you know, NASA's uh, latest technology and where they're directing their focus on uh, some of the stuff we're going to need in space, you know, like mm -hmm. that could be a, a whole project there is like designing tools and equipment for use in zero gravity, you know? Um, so just, yeah, trying to look at like the forefront and, and really ground it in like research. I think that's where the, some of the coolest stuff can come out. Cause it's like, oh, this thing could be real. Or like this actually is a design that can be used in the future. So to me, that's just like the coolest. So that's cool. Yeah. I like the way that you have that trying to design something for a positive future as a overarching theme and then find designs within that. That's a good way to approach it. Yeah, totally. So I guess one last topic that I want to touch upon before we close the conversation, because I don't want to take up too much of your time is for people who are, let's say, learning the skills right now, the technical side of things, how do you avoid being in that position where you're repeating design cliches that get repeated too often? Mm. Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, like, I think in a way, like learning the tools is sort of separate to like creating design, like, mm -hmm. uh, in a way, uh, you know, maybe studying an artifact or an object that exists and modeling that and learning how to model that thing in sort of isolation is a really good way to learn the tool, right? But then, you know, you've built something that already exists. So it's sort of like that maybe that shouldn't be shared or whatever, you know, it's something that you're using to actually develop and understand. I, I always find when I study, like when I model something, I've, I'd learn things that can help uh, create a new design so mm -hmm. if for example I've modeled like a Boeing 747 like I did a full section full interior of that aircraft and I know a lot about how the rib structure works and what it should look like and why um, and you know that can be sort of extrapolated and applied to a different aircraft or something that doesn't exist yet so mm -hmm. studying real world things can really help like elevate your designs so I would definitely say you know doing that but maybe also yeah separating like design from just like studying the tools and trying to choose a project that you know is going to push you that is difficult. Um, you know, try and tackle something that you're not sure if you can do and then surprise yourself by doing it. Uh, and then you'll always pick up like skills and tools and like just ways of doing things you can apply then to design work. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I, that's a great suggestion actually, splitting up the design side of planning and the technical side of learning something new. Yeah, I mean, cause at the end of the day, you know, these tools can be really difficult and you know you can go in different roundabout ways to getting to a solution so it's like working out all the ways to do a thing 
Uh, and then when you're designing something, you've got this tool belt of options and you can decide I'm going to use this tool and then that tool to get there, you know, mm -hmm. and you, you have that experience of why. And I think at the end of the day, it is also just about doing it, just exploring. Um, and it's like, you know, every hour you spend in a 3D software, even if you don't make a render, it's, it's worthwhile time because you're developing your skills and you're learning. Um, and it, you know, it's not wasted. It all counts towards the next thing you make, even if it's in like a month, you know, <laughs> like it all adds up. That's true. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's just about really diving in and yeah, it's also obviously having that like that drive, that enthusiasm to do it and just feeling now that there's so much support from design communities, um, like discords and YouTube and all sorts of things where you can find the answers to what you're trying to do or you can uh, learn from how other people do it just to then get an idea and start going and then twist it and make it your own, you know, like put your own uh, sort of taste or spin on it. Nice. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think that's a great piece of advice. So Benjamin, just closing out, um, are you somebody who plans for like a long-term future or do you take it more as each year comes or each month comes? That's a, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I guess in a way, yeah. I mean, I'd love to continue working in film uh, because I, I've really enjoyed it so far. Uh, you know, I, as I mentioned, I would love to start developing like a you know, some 3D products and some, maybe some printables and things like that in the future. But mm -hmm. I think, you know, as long as I'm being creative and I'm able to work with people and, and still teach, um, you know, students, I think I'll be happy if I'm doing some form of that. So in a way I, I don't really plan super far ahead, but okay. uh, you know, take it. Yeah. Like project to project and just always try and do my best, I guess. So. That's awesome. Well, this was an amazing conversation, man. I, I always, yeah, thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> Really great, valuable advice and a lot of insights in the film industry because since I don't work in the film industry, it's always great to learn more about it and yeah, just expand my knowledge. Yeah, totally. And I think, yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because it can feel very distant and very like impossible to obtain, but you know, like working in film, it's, it can also be just like any other job and uh, there are aspects of it like that are like that. So I think I always just try and explain you know, how I got there in my process and mm -hmm. inspire other people to, to hopefully follow along if that's what they want to do. You know, it's totally possible. And as I mentioned, you know, there's, there's this huge movement of like making TV series now and a lot of stuff. So there's always productions happening. So mm -hmm. um, I just would encourage people who have the vision to do, to work in film, to really pursue it because it's possible. Um, and making the transition from like architecture to set design is a very popular path. So, you know, with those skills, you can do it. So yeah it's super cool and it, man it's been fantastic talking with you so thank you so much for uh, organizing this and yeah My giving pleasure. me the time to to chat with you so awesome dude so take care and really looking forward to what you come up with next and have a good awesome weekend. man thank you so much yeah you too man.